Thank you, Brother Ken. Appreciate that. Appreciate your family. His daughter sang for us one Sunday morning. Appreciate them. Good people. Happy God sent them our way. We're looking at Matthew chapter 19 today, verse 28. Matthew 19, 28. Well, our sound system is in. We have a few little things to tweak. We have to get a new mic or two up for up here, but uh, it is a big improvement. I hear that from people, and we're learning how to use the headgears for uh, uh, hearing impaired folks, and uh, God's blessed us. We spent, we, we approved up to 35,000, and we may go over that a tiny bit. We're below that now, but with the mics, it might go above it, but uh, we are so thankful because God gave us so much of that money through special gifts and offerings, uh, well over 20,000, I know, and so it's just great. Our, our church is blessed, and uh, financially, God's just blessed us so much. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, uh, normally I make you wait a minute introduce the text, but you can stand with me and read this one simple verse right now. Matthew, of course, the great tax collector called Levi, formerly came to know the Lord, held a banquet, invited all his friends. Isn't that cool? Had a big party, invited everyone, then invited Jesus. But he's writing here and he's quoting Jesus. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Bless us, Lord. Help us to understand the greatness of the coming kingdom. Be with us now. Speak through me and just hide me behind the cross. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Peter was speaking in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. And uh, he's speaking about the restoration of all things in the future. We know there are several passages about the restoration. Paul in Romans chapter 8 tells us that all creation groans waiting for things to be restored. Because God did create a beautiful Garden of Eden. But sin marred that. And you think of that, how it was so beautiful. Adam and Eve, of course, were forced to leave the Garden of Eden. And so uh, we do, as believers, look forward to the kingdom to come. However, we'll be raptured seven years prior to the kingdom coming. And we'll come with the Lord down to this earth to set up the kingdom. And Jesus, during his lifetime, shared a glimpse of the kingdom to come. All the things he did on the earth were a type of the coming kingdom. And of course, the Jews rejected him, so he didn't usher in his kingdom. He said, had you believed me, uh, John the Baptist would have been your Elijah. In other words, I'd have set up my kingdom. But of course, being God, he knew all things, but he did give them an opportunity, and they chose to reject him. I love the passage over in Ezekiel 34. We're not going to turn there. We're going to go first to Amos chapter 9. But in Ezekiel chapter 34, there's three things I love in that chapter. First of all, the true shepherd. It's about the true shepherd in the coming kingdom. And he says there in Ezekiel chapter 34, I will feed my people. It says there in verse uh, 22, I'll protect my people. It says in verse 26, there'll be showers of blessings. We love that little hymn. And so we're so thankful that one day this place is going to be perfect. And for a thousand years, Jesus Christ is going to shower his blessings upon us. So let's go to, we're going to go to seven, or eight, we're going to mention eight different things and go to about 15 different passages. So you have to let your fingers do the walking, as Bell South used to say or whatever. Um, Amos chapter 9, 
Amos chapter 9. If you know anything about the Jews, they grew lots of grapes and had lots of wine to drink. Of course, the Bible didn't condone drunkenness. We understand that. But we do know that they depended on wine to drink because the water was sometimes scarce and they needed an abundance of wine. And so one of the things promised in the coming kingdom is an abundance of wine. Amos chapter 9 and verse 13 says this, Behold the, day shall, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes him that soweth seed, and the mountains shall drop sweet wine, and all the hills shall melt. That's talking about the coming kingdom. Everything's going to be wonderful in that kingdom. Second of all, Ezekiel. Go to Ezekiel. <clears throat> We're going to look at eight different things. Ezekiel chapter 36. We just quoted some things from Ezekiel chapter 34. But Ezekiel chapter 36, we're going to now in verse 11. Second of all, we know that there's a promise in the coming kingdom that there's going to be a great productivity of animals. And uh, we think of Jesus' ministry on earth. What did he do? The first miracle in John chapter 2 was what? Turning water into wine. And we know while he's on earth, Jesus filled the nets and the boats with fish and uh, so he did several miracles uh, concerning the animal kingdom, filling the boats with fish. One time there's 153 fish. Another time the net was so full they couldn't get it in the boat. And so he showed that he was in control. And in the kingdom, there's going to be a great uh, productivity of animals. Look, it's 3611. And I'll multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bring fruit. And I will settle you, settle you after your old estates, and will do better unto you than at your beginnings, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 36, 11, and then chapter 47 on this same topic, chapter 47 of Ezekiel. So here we find that, uh, you know, increase in life, both human and animal life in the kingdom. I hear all these things on TV. We got to save the elephant. And <laughs> I like elephants, and I hope they don't you know, become uh, extinct and all that, but it's amazing how much passion the world has for elephants. And now they, and they want a, a certain amount of money given to that, and then I see the one about dogs, and you can give for dogs and cats, you know, a certain amount of money each month in the passion for the animal kingdom. And I really don't worry for the animal kingdom because God can create all the animals that we need, and we're going to see them in the millennial kingdom. We know that. But in Ezekiel 47, 6 through 10, it says here, and he said unto the Son of Man, Hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. Now when I returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and on the other. Then he said to me, These waters issue out toward the east country and go down to the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whether whithersoever the rivers shall come, shall live, shall live, and there shall be a great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come hither, thither, sorry, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live, whether the river cometh. And it shall come to pass that the fishes shall stand upon from the Engedi unto the uh, endulum and shall be a place to spread forth nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds as the fish of the great sea exceedingly many. I love to fish. been a fisherman all my life. Uh, when I was a kid, my dad would go take the boys fishing when I was just a kid. 
And I would sometimes go along, sometimes I'd watch, I'd fish for five minutes and then my brothers would fish the whole time, you know. And we have a, a photo of the family with a hundred and something perch on the string and they were really good eating. And, and I remember those great times of catching perch. And my dad and I would go trout fishing and we'd go in a little stream and my dad loved to go brook trout fishing. I never understood that because I wanted to catch bigger trout, you know. Dad, let's go somewhere where there's rainbows or something. But my dad loved brook trout fishing because it was peaceful. The streams were small. My dad couldn't swim. And he just loved that peaceful time catching them. We'd always catch a bunch. One time, my dad placed me at the best fishing hole in the stream. And he went downstream to find another hole. And I, I, I caught a dozen. And that's how many you could keep back then. And I'd catch another one. I'd throw the smallest living one back. You know, I just kept catching them. And so we got together, and uh, my dad had only caught one. And I remember rubbing it in. My dad didn't tell me that he placed me at the best hole. I found that later, about that later from my uncle. Well, where, where did you fish? Well, that fish at this little dam. Well, my uncle said, well, that's where your dad normally fishes. So I remember that, though. And then I remember going fishing so many times in so many circumstances. And so many times we went to places years later. And there weren't as many fish. The waters had become polluted. Fishing wasn't very good. And what mankind is doing is ruining this creation. I mean, we've ruined it. Not only have we ruined the waters and the air and all that, and uh, we, we've ruined the creation because of bad morals. We know that. We understand that. But in the millennial kingdom, God's going to heal all that. Can you imagine that? Coming back to a place where there's lots of animals and lots of fish, and we don't worry about all that pollution because he's going to straighten the mess up and he won't deal with sin either. When he sits on that throne, no one is going to go out and blatantly sin without answering to him. A perfect justice system. And the 12 followers, we don't know who they are. We know who 11 are. But Judas, a replacement was Matthias, but maybe it's Paul. We don't know. But he said they'll sit on thrones and the 12 tribes will help govern the world. And Jesus Christ sitting on the throne of David. But we know great production of animals and, and food and, and uh, uh, fish. Now an abundance of food. Look at Psalm 72, 16. Psalm 72, 16. In Psalm 72, 16, it says here, there shall, be a hand, there shall be a handful of corn upon the earth, upon the top of the mountain. The fruit shall, will, the fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon, and they of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. So we see that in Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 12. I'm going to go rather quickly. Zechariah 8, 12. Zechariah is the second to the last book in the Old Testament. One of the great prophetic books. In fact, second in the amount of prophecy behind Isaiah. But in chapter 8 and verse 12, he says here, For the seed shall be prosperous, the vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give their due, and I will cause the remnant of his people to possess all those things. There'll be no more famine, no more hunger. Now understand that, you know, a lot of people are destroyed in the battle of Armageddon. And uh, at the end of the thousand years, a lot of nations are going to rise up against the Lord because they don't like his rules. They're going to try and rebel against the kingdom authority, and he'll deal with them. But during this time, there'll be an abundance of food, plenty to eat. Think about Jesus feeding people, feeding 4,000 people, feeding 5,000 people. He always gave a picture of things to come. He wanted them to know what it will be like when they submit to his leadership. And they didn't. 
and the world still hasn't submitted to Jesus. They still don't trust him. Zechariah, while we're there, chapter 14, verse 8, two pages over, and we find here changes in the climate and the elements. In chapter 14, verse 8, And it shall be that in that day the living water shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder. In the summer and winter shall it be. Remember, during Eden there was never rain. There was a canopy and there was enough moisture. It's like a greenhouse with a moisture inside the canopy of the world. The first time it rained was during the time of Noah. And they laughed at Noah and laughed at Noah because Noah was telling them there was going to be a great flood. And they lived in a dry part of the world. God opened the heavens and sent rain. Well, there's going to be great climate changes in the end. Joel chapter 2. I'm going to go quickly the entire time. You can write these down and look them up later. But Joel chapter 2, verses 21 to 26. And you know some of this. You've heard this. I've heard this uh, preached incorrectly so many times. But we know that in Joel chapter 2, verses 21 through 26, God promises here to, again, do things, strange things in the elements and the climate. Fear not, O land, be glad, rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beast of the field. For the pastures of the wilderness do spring, and the tree beareth her fig, fruit, and the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause it to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the, in the first of the month. In the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore unto you the years that the locust had eaten, and the canker worm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm. And so all these things are restored. Verse 26, And ye shall eat plenty, and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord. I, I can't wait for that kingdom. I can eat all I want and not get fat. <laughs> Isn't that going to be something? And that's the way it's going to be. And he says more about this in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 30. We'll go to Isaiah and we'll be there for a while. In fact, we'll be in Isaiah uh, for the rest of the evening. But Isaiah, we're going to look at a lot of passages in Isaiah chapter 30 and uh, verses 23 to 26. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, why were green beans good for me and pecan pie bad for me? Just explain why it had to be that way. Today I fried some squash, and uh, it was that big squash thing back there, and it tasted like sweet potato, and it was good. And then I thought, maybe I took in too much sugar today. I don't know. But that's the way you think because uh, of the, the problems we have with our health and so forth, the aging process. But Isaiah chapter 30, verses 23 to 26, and again I'll read quickly. says here, then, then shall he give the rain of thy seed, that thou shalt sow the ground withal, and the bread of thine increase of the earth, and it shall be fat and plenteous in the day, shall thy cattle feed in the large pastures, and oxen likewise. And these next several verses talk about all the things God's going to do uh, to take care of the world. What did Jesus do when he was here? He controlled the elements. Here it says God's going to send the rain, and he's going to make things grow, and the earth's going to produce plenty. When God was here, what did he do? Remember when he walked on the water, he calmed the storm. He's always been in control of the elements. When he cursed the fig tree, it just shows his power over everything in creation. And in the millennial kingdom, it's going to be just like that. Everything's going to produce. The rain's going to be appropriate to give the fruit uh, what she needs to produce the fruit trees. 
Then we find in chapter 41 of Isaiah an increase in growth of, of trees, including the olive tree. And of course, we know Jesus spoke to trees in the Bible. He would curse trees that didn't produce. Uh, it's amazing all the different trees in the Bible and all the great tree stories. I found a little booklet the other day, never heard of the author, but he talked about various trees and what they represent in the Bible. And that's interesting stuff to look at. Maybe one day I'll talk about that. But here in 4119, and I will plant in the wilderness the cedar. Now think about trees that are in certain places just can't grow. And the shita tree and the myrtle and the oil tree I will set in the desert. The fir tree and the pine and the box tree together. There won't be a desert. There won't be a drought. God's going to make it to where trees can grow anywhere. Isn't that something? That's the millennial kingdom. Then we find dramatic changes in animal behavior. Chapter 11. Chapter 11. And this is interesting because people worry about the extinction. I've even heard lions mentioned, and you have as well, all the things that are going to be extinct. But look at chapter 11 says in verses 6 to 9. Now, I don't want to imply that I don't care about animals. I mean, I think it's good for us to try to save animals, but that's not our calling in life. And so many people worry about the animal kingdom. And as believers, of course, we don't want animals mistreated. Sometimes I go to a zoo. I remember going to a zoo in Panama and seeing the very small cages and the scrawny, underfed animals. And I thought, a country that can't feed its people doesn't need to have animals in cages. And, and I felt bad for them. But sometimes we have, to mis, mis, uh, we have misguided compassion. Look at it says in verse 6, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. And the calf and the young lion, that kid is a, a baby animal, not, not a child. And look at here. And the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. Isn't that fascinating? Can you imagine in the millennial kingdom? I, I've always been fascinated by animals. I'd like to have been a park ranger or something, you know. And you, you love animals. And, and just to think in the kingdom to be able to walk right up to a lion and just give it a command and it obeys you. It will be like your favorite pet. I've always been intrigued by the grizzly bear. They, to me, seem like, or the Kodiak, you know, those massive bear. I wouldn't want to be near one, but in the kingdom I'll be able to walk right up and say, wow, let me see those teeth, you know. <laughs> Just, just amazing to think about the greatness of the kingdom. And I, I think we lose sight of that. Now, I can't wait till heaven. Heaven's indescribable. But to think of this earth as a paradise like the Garden of Eden. Think of that. No thorns or thistles. No weeds to pull. You know, no animals starving or, you know, things aren't sick. Go to chapter 65. Chapter 65 of Isaiah. <clears throat> And these are just things we're promised in the coming kingdom for a thousand years. And we're not going to die in that kingdom. People will be born in the kingdom. People will not receive the Lord. There will be a rebellion against Him in the end. Can you imagine a perfect kingdom with a perfect leader and all that and still people just rebel against Him? That's amazing to me how people can be so ignorant. But in 65, 25, look what it says. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock, like the ox. And dust shall be the serpent's meat. Now, that's interesting. Why is that? seems like the only thing that doesn't look good in the millennium. Well, remember the promise in creation? 
that for the rest of the serpent's existence, they'll eat the dust of the earth. So the curse is not lifted off the serpent, but the dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. God protects everything. Then look at uh, verses 20, uh, excuse me, verses, um, uh, hold on a minute, verse 20 to 22, because another thing we see is a longevity of life. Now, backing up to animals' behavior, think of the, the unbroken donkey he rode. Think of the fish with a coin in its mouth. He illustrated all these things to the twelve to show them and to the Jews what the kingdom would be like. And what they do? They rejected him. They rejected him. All these things he showed them. And then longevity of life. Remember, Jesus raised Lazarus, and raised the woman at Nain, the widow at Nain. And yet, we, we find here the promise, verses 20 to 22, of long life. Verse 20 of Isaiah 65. There should be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath filled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. And they shall build houses and inhabit them, and they shall plant vineyards and eat the fruit of them. They shall, they shall not build and another inhabit they shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of the tree are the days of my people and mine elect shall long enjoy the works of their hands. Long life, long life. And, and, and everybody, you, you won't lose things to other people. People won't be able to steal your homes and cars. When you work hard, you'll be blessed in the kingdom. It appears there's gonna still be some work in the kingdom and God's gonna bless those that work get to heaven, we won't have to work anymore, but the kingdom's going to be one fantastic place to be. And I look forward to that kingdom. And then Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah chapter 29. And then we'll go to 29, 33, and 35. In chapter 29, verse 18, we see here physical healing of disease and deformity. Now, we talk a lot about healings, and we pray for people to be healed, and God's healed some of you, and you have great testimonies to that effect. Some of you say, well, I prayed for healing, haven't been healed. And we know it's different with every person according to God's will. Paul wanted healing. God never healed him. Sometimes he heals, sometimes he doesn't. But look in the kingdom, chapter 29, verse 18. And in that day shall the deaf hear. Boy, isn't that going to be something? Praise the Lord. And the words of the book shall the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. Blind people are all going to see. The deaf are going to hear. What a great time that kingdom is going to be. And then, of course, in verse chapter 33, chapter 33 and verse 24. The last thing we see in the kingdom is this physical healing of disease and deformity, 33, 24 says here in 33:24 and the inhabitant shall not say i am sick <laughs> so we know heaven promises no sickness but here in the millennial kingdom it says here will not say i'm sick the people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity we're already saved we're forgiven we have a new body and we aren't ever going to be sick in that kingdom and then finally chapter 35 and verses 5 to 6 then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. And I love verse 6. And the lame man shall leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. 
But here it says, the lame man shall leap as a heart. And remember Acts chapter 3, where a crippled man was healed and he jumped for joy. <laughs> Can you imagine being crippled all your life and Jesus just heals you? Man, that's going to be something. What a kingdom that's going to be. And I think of no more crippled folks. I think of my own grandson. I've told you about him before, how it breaks my heart. He's got spinal bifida. And how I, when I see him and try to do things he loves to do, he tried to play soccer. And I could hardly watch it because he couldn't run very good. And I went to school one day and I told you the story already, how he ran across the field area. He goes to... Um, uh, he was attending Bright School and they had a big field in between buildings and he ran to me and the way he ran, I had to go around the corner and cry because I thought all his life, that's what he's going to know. You just think in the millennial kingdom, he'll be able to leap and jump up and down for joy. Of course, he'll have a new body at the rapture. But people who come to know the Lord in the kingdom, yes, people will be saved in the kingdom to come. People who've never heard in this in this world will be saved. A lot of people are going to get saved in the tribulation period. 144,000, and they're all going to preach, and then thousands upon thousands of people around the world will hear the gospel and be saved. It won't stop there. In the kingdom, again, people will be saved. And many will reject the Lord just like now. You think that a perfect kingdom would change people's hearts? No. Perfection won't do it. And people will just reject the Lord and stand before him. And I like to think of Beulah Land in that little song, I'm longing for you. I'm longing for Beulah Land, aren't you? I'm longing for showers of blessings, Ezekiel chapter 34. Those are going to be great days, folks. We have a lot to look forward to. We don't hear a lot of preaching on the kingdom. We hear people refer to church people as kingdom saints, and I understand that. I still like to clarify and talk about church people as church people. And talk about kingdom saints as people in the next dispensation, the kingdom dispensation, to not confuse people because the kingdom is not here now. We're in a spiritual kingdom, Christ in our hearts. We understand that. But one day there will be a literal thousand year reign. We call it the millennium. The word millennium is a Latin word. It's not in the Bible. But the thousand year reign is clearly listed and named in the Bible, Revelation chapter 20. So we look forward to that wonderful time where we'll spend forever with the Lord starting in the kingdom. Unfortunately, at the end of the kingdom, it's going to be one of the saddest times. It will be the saddest time in our life as Christians. Why? The beam of judgment into the tribulation is where we're judged for our works. And then the kingdom's ushered in, but at the end of the kingdom, it's called the great white throne judgment. Did you know every sinner will be raised that has died and gone on before us? They'll be raised. Everyone who's died during all of history will be raised and stand before the Lord and be judged. And the Bible said at the end, God's going to have to wipe the tears from our eyes. That's why I want to witness to people. That's why I want people saved. I don't want to have to see them judged. And the Bible says he's going to wipe the tears from our eyes. I believe that God is going to have to wipe the tears from our eyes because the Bible said so. And why? Because I'm going to be broken for the fact that someone I love, someone I grew up with, I, all my uncles and aunts profess Christ, but there's a few people in my family that I pray for their salvation because I'm not sure. Because by their fruits you shall know them. When you don't see any fruit, maybe that uncle, I pray for my one uncle every day. I pray for his wife, his kids, and three other cousins that I don't see living for God. 
they profess Christ. There's a time where they said they were saved, but I don't see fruit, and it concerns me. And, you know, I, I, I know I see fruit in my son's life, and I, I feel confident in their, that they know the Lord. But what if, what if someone you know and loved, that you really didn't pray for him and really didn't witness to him, and you see them stand before God and they're cast in the eternal lake of fire. What's that going to do to you? God's going to wipe the tears away. But let's look forward to the kingdom. We have a great thousand year time to look forward to. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. And for the kingdom you've promised, you promised to you the Jews the kingdom and they didn't want it. They didn't want you. But Lord, we know there's a coming kingdom and we'll return with you on horses and we'll be in our robes of white and we'll help do something. And the Bible teaches if we're faithful in this life, we'll be faithful in the kingdom. We'll be given more authority in the kingdom than in this world. So we look forward to that coming kingdom. In the meantime, Lord, help us to be about our Father's business, reaching people with the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing.